This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Yes, gadgets and gizmos, two for the price of one. Well, I hope more than two, otherwise we'll be talking a long time about uh, only two things with a break in between. I'm hoping there are more than two. There will be. I'm sure there will be. I've got one as well for later. I think I prefer WhatsApp. Okay. Well, WhatsApp. <laughs> so, so tell me, what gadgets and gizmos have you got for us this week? Well, good news. Oh, I you I'm like glad. To travel. Yes. Um, Virgin Galactic tickets are finally open to the public. Oh, excellent. So, it'll only cost you £333,000 for your 90-minute trip into space, where you can be accompanied by such people as uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, Brad Pitt, Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, or the idea of spending 90 minutes in a small capsule <laughs> of Justin Bieber, I think, would be more than I could cope with. Yeah, well, Some people have been waiting more than 15 years for the chance, including, sadly, uh, Stephen Hawking, who, who died before he had the chance to go up there. Hmm. Well... Yes, I don't quite know if that's how I would choose to spend three hundred thirty-three thousand pounds if I if I had it. No, you'd probably particularly need to have as it's not more than that. It's not it? that long since Virgin Galactic had the odd problem on the launch pad as well. So yes, presumably the money's not refundable to your family's estate. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there were clauses to that effect. Mm. I wonder. Honestly, I did actually fly relatively recently um, uh, internationally and. You know, you start the trip by adjusting your um, your watch, but I wonder what time zone they use or will they indeed change time zones for coming they down? They probably don't because mm. you go up and you come back to the same place. Do you? Oh, okay. Yes. Well, they might could do all kinds of duty-free, though, couldn't they? Well, I can't help thinking that, you know, given the technology in those 4K cinemas that make you sort of think you're, you know, being sprayed with water and um, shaking all over the place, that really you could be inside and they could just be projecting a trip into space, they shaking could. the capsule around. Absolutely, they could. And yes. how would you know? Particularly yeah. given the last sort of trip into space by all these celebrities, nobody seemed to take a camera with them. No, it's surprising, isn't it? Yeah. I would take a camera if it was me. Well, you, you take a camera everywhere. I do, I do. Yeah, you probably have a bath with a camera just in case something <laughs> interesting happens. <laughs> right. So, okay. Uh, if you're not going to spend £333,000, what, what, what else have you got for us? Uh, well, it is um, 65 years, um, this is thanks to uh, a notification of The Guardian, uh, since the end of the toddler's truce. What? The toddler's truce. Um, uh, on television, up until 65 years ago, mm. uh, there were no television allowed to be broadcast between 6 and 7pm so that parents could put their children to bed. Oh, wonderful. And also, I can, I can trumpet, you know. though. The well, first time I went to Iceland, which has changed considerably since I first went, because this was the late 70s. This is the country and not the shop. This is the country and not yes. the shop, yes. Yes, I don't think there are any toddler's truces in Iceland, the shop. Um, but uh, in Iceland, they then, it's changed now, they had no television on Wednesdays or in July. 
<laughs> so people spend more time socializing and talking to one another. Excellent. Well, uh, um, they, at, at that time, there was only 12 hours a day that was allowed mm -hmm. at all. Um, and there were no children's programs allowed to be shown on Sundays between 2 and 4 p.m. Mm. because that was the time when they were supposed to be studying the Bible. Oh, cool. So what, what brought this truth to a, an end? Well, what brought it to an end was the BBC thoroughly approved of it because it meant there were fewer programmes they had to make since they were on a limited budget. Yes. Um, it was uh, ITV, or the Independent Television Authority, uh, who lobbied for a change in the law because any time that they weren't showing programmes was time they weren't selling things mm -hmm. to people. And now all, almost all the programmes that are made now seem to be for children. So it seems. <laughs> Whether they announced <laughs> that or not. Oh, well, 65 years. Okay. Well, and if we're there not we toddlers? If we're not toddlers, then we're grown-ups and we're driving our cars, perhaps our electric cars. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing about electric cars is, of course, that they're quite they're a big drain on the national grid because you plug mm -hmm. your car in and it uses awful lot of watts to, to, to charge it up, or joules, perhaps. Um, and there's a new plan, which is that the national grid, grid if mm -hmm. they are short of electricity, Hmm. will be able to drain the electricity out of your electric car. That could be a problem if you wake up in the morning and want to go to work. It could. I don't think they thought this one through. It's only a big <laughs> demand. Really? Good gracious. Is, big organisations not having thought something through. Surely they'll have had umpteen meetings. This is a trial by Octopus Energy, which is running between April and June. Hmm. And, um, I mean, it makes sense. You know, if there's, uh, if there's a sudden spike and the national grid doesn't have enough power, there's all this power sitting in the cars. But I think this, this is, is your fault. It wasn't it last week you told us about some car company, was it Mercedes-Benz or something, which could help power your house? Yes, that's right. If, so if you Ford. charge up your battery in the car. Yes. Well, yeah, clearly they heard Ford that, and they F thought that's a great idea. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> they shouldn't, I, I know we shouldn't allow these people to listen to this programme. No, no. But talking of electric cars, Alfa Romeo mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. are releasing their first plug-in hybrid car. Right. Uh, which will run on batteries as well as uh, on, on petrol. And it is the first car to come with its own NFT, that is a non-fungible token. Oh. Which he says as if he really still understands NFT. <laughs> well, what it is, it's a blockchain record. We've talked before about how blockchain yes. is yes. the most secure way of storing data. that evolves as your car ages, and it contains things like the mileage and the servicing record and that kind of thing. So yes. when you come to sell the car, there will be this unimpeachable record of how it has been driven. But that's just that's just a blockchain record. It's not really an NFT, surely. Well, they're calling it an NFT because it's because it's the thing. Of the it's moment. the thing. I, it's I the am. I met a friend of mine um, on Friday. I hadn't seen for a little while. lives in lives in France. Popped over to London, and somehow NFTs got mentioned. And she thought it was. She'd obviously read it wrongly all this time and thought it was non-fungal tokens so that had something to do with mushrooms or toadstools and she was incredibly ah, confused yes i can understand that so i felt quite tech tech savvy compared to her did you <laughs> yes well, compared to her <laughs> <laughs> oh i think it's about time we had uh, one of these oh so well, my first still... car was an alfa romeo but that really was oh, so far from being a hybrid Gosh, anything hybrid about it was some of it was metal and some of it was rust. That was quite racy for a first car. It was. Didn't have children then. 
I went to get a very dependable sort of car and swayed. Yes. Yes. It's a lovely, lovely car. My first I car knew, was a I... Ford Capri that I inherited when my brother oh. lost his license. Oh, well, yes. that sounds pretty good as well. So you could pretend you were in good. Sweeney or something. Exactly. It was a purple Ford Capri because that was the colour that things were in those days. Much the same as the sweater you're wearing at the moment. So um, obviously you've got a great fondness for the colour. I would call this brown. I think it's just really. Just, uh, yeah. Oh, it may it may be it may be the color of your it is uh, zoom. camera. Then zoom yes. is <laughs> retrofitting my jumper to match yes. my completely. So, well, if you wore a toga, we'd think you were an emperor. If people could see you, but it's radio, so they can't. Well, they can't just as well. Um, um, I may be digressing. Take us yeah, back. To, I was going to say take us back to time. Earth, but it may be up in space. Knowing you, okay. Uh, no, we're still on electric cars. Mm-hmm. And back in 2018. Um, four years ago, we talked about the IVX, which was the expanding electric car. Right. Remember that? It was a, a single-seater car. Oh, so yes. A mate, it yes. got longer. Yes, I couldn't remember the rather ridiculous name for it, but I do remember mm. the discussion, yes. Well, that was on sale on Kickstarter for £2,400, and it was so successful, they just brought out the IEVZ, which has a, uh, a carbon fibre body, 100-kilometre range, on a three-hour charge, and solar panels to keep it charging up while it's going along, top speed of 28 miles an hour. Um, it is 198 centimetres, let's call it two metres long, which expands by an extra 37 centimetres, if you want to take a second passenger, and then you can expand it by an extra 40 centimetres if you want cargo space as well. Isn't that wonderful? Well, yes, it seems very clever, but I can't help feeling... I mean, is it as structurally sound when expanded as when it isn't? I imagine they thought of that. Anyway, the price Well, you say doubled. that, you'd be surprised at the people who don't think of things. <laughs> the, the price has more than doubled to £4,900. And if you want one, go to ievmotors.com, uh, where you will find out all about it. It's quite cute, actually. It doesn't seem terribly expensive. No. It doesn't, although I should have got one at 2,400 when they were on Kickstarter. But I yes. Oh, well, there were no NFTs in those, that stage. Exactly. The, the next model had an NFT with it. Almost certainly. We just an NFT. You can tell it's people about it. As soon as you say it. NFT, though, I still, my mind still translates as a national film theatre. Yes, but that's because you're a film buff. Mm. Yeah, but it always, and they probably don't even call it that anymore, but there used to be the, the auditoria where NFT1 and NFT2. And yes, I mean, there will be people who will see it as the Norwegian Farmers Trust. Well, I suppose it may well be. Yes. yes. Well, the NFT need to, need to get into some NFTs, whether they it be the Norwegian do. Farmers Trust or the National Film Theatre. They absolutely do. Yes. Yes. Right. right. Well, I think why don't we just take a a small break, uh, and I'll try and be more sensible when we come back. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.
This is Simon Rose. You're listening to Gadgets and Gizmos on Share Radio, where I'm, well, I'm going to say conversation. Um, Steve Kaplan's talking about Gadgets and Gizmos, <laughs> and I'm just interrupting with drivel from time to time. But that's much the way normally. So, well, next. Well, Tinder. Tinder, the dating app, the popular mm-hmm. dating app. And um, so the first thing you look at on Tinder is someone's photograph, and you swipe left or you swipe right, depending that on where you like. That is true. Yes, I have, I have used it on many occasions. You have used it on many occasions. Yes. And the trouble is that the p- photographs people put up there tend to be these very sort of Instagram glossy retouched images. Not in your case, perhaps. Right. No, in not in my case. No, no. <laughs> Instagram, what's that, Your Honour? Exactly. Yes. Um, and um, they're concerned that uh, people are too swayed by these images. So uh, Tinder are introducing blind dates, perhaps a nod to the old TV show that Silla Black used to uh, present. Um, And the way it works is that uh, the two people who want to, or you you, you go on as a Tinder user and you Mm. answer the questions along the lines of, I put ketchup on dash. Or the number of times- When I get dressed in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> the, the idea is to find dates not to repel people oh i see okay uh and or that kind of that kind of personal question yes and you're matched with other people who have the same response and then you have a timed chat with them mm. after which by mutual agreement you can then see their photographs right yes well, I, I mean, that's a rather good idea. It's, it's clever. I think there are other dating apps that do something something similar. But I mean, the, 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 the real problem with those is eventually you want to know what somebody looks like. Well, you find out eventually. Well, indeed, there are other dating apps. In fact, Esquire recently published a list of 24 alternatives mm. to Tinder. That's just scratching the surface. Different. I'm sure, yes. And they all scratching claim the they've got a USB. That's you don't want to do on Tinder scratching what? the surface. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> yes, that could be one of the questions. I scratch the surface of. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, I, I, I'm, yes, I suppose all, all to the good. But I'm sure if somebody did um, a survey, they would discover that looks are probably the most important thing. Yeah, and everything else comes comes afterwards. Yeah, people wouldn't say that though. They say they're more interested. Well, in of their, course. Their brains, well, every, uh, yes, because people lie to themselves because that's what we do. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Right. Well, you tell the truth. Always. Gadgets shall talk truth unto gizmos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so what on now? now to VR headsets. Uh, VR headsets, oh, they're very good. You had a go at mine. AR headsets are a different kind of thing, but uh, using similar technology. Mm-hmm. Um, the trouble is that they are quite heavy and bulky. Mm-hmm. And wearing a VR headset for a long period of time is it, 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 quite a strain because you've got to carry the entire computer in your head well that could be a thing of the past because motorola and verizon have teamed up to make the 5g neckband so it looks a bit like a uh, a mobile phone on a cord and you wear it around your neck and inside the neckband are the 5g antenna accelerometer Mm. gyroscopes barometer for some reason i can't imagine why (laughs) Um, tap in the morning when you wake up as our fathers (laughs) yes okay um uh, gps and and speakers and there's a cable that goes to the headset the headset is actually pretty light it's like a pair of somewhat heavy duty sunglasses Um, and it's quite a clever idea i i know they will have thought this through 
But <laughs> why is having all that stuff around your neck any better than having it on your head? Oh, because you can wear things around your neck. I mean, you, know, you, can, you can wear... Uh, I can't imagine what, but um, those, those things you used to carry babies in that hung around your neck, those papoose-like things. Well, they're normally... It's, I would say that's normally shoulders. I think otherwise uh, maybe shoulders. parents would have... Better. I mean, even carrying a decent set of binoculars around your neck can get tiresome after a while i'm sure yeah. they've thought it through though steve i'm probably i'm just i'm just caviling well, but who knows if you like the idea of things that hang around your neck that we're segueing into the uh the <laughs> that's next the worst there. segue you've ever come up with yes okay thank you um, this is uh something that's been developed by a professor and his student at cornell university Mm -hmm. uh, what they is, say is, suppose you're in a, a meeting, a business mm -hmm. meeting, or in a library, mm -hmm. and you want to check your email. Mm -hmm. And your natural response would be to say, Siri, check my email. Mm -hmm. But of course, saying that out loud in a business meeting implies you're not, you're not. Um, yes. Well, and in the meantime, half a dozen devices in your office have just suddenly started checking your email. Exactly. Because you said it out loud. Yes. Okay. Well, they have produced the speech in, speech in one word, right? Yes, uh, which hangs around your neck with a camera pointing upwards, monitoring your chin. Right. And they have trained it in several hundred um, phrases in both English and Mandarin. And what you do is you say Siri check email without actually saying it out loud. This camera looks at your chin movement and then checks your email for you, is the idea. Well, it sort of seems quite clever, but I can't help feeling, is it actually solving a problem that people have, or just... No, it's not, and that's the interesting thing. It absolutely isn't. So um, if, you're, if you're sitting at your laptop and you say, Siri, check email um, silently, and then yes. the email appears in your laptop, why not just click the button on your laptop to yes. check your yes. email? Or also, set your email, or set your email to check automatically. Also, if you say Siri check me email and it misinterprets it as Siri showed me hardcore pornography, <laughs> then that would be an embarrassing thing to have come up on your screen. And however much you protested, I didn't really say that. <laughs> yes, there'll be no, yes. there'll be no record. The only thing I could uh, imagine that would be a use for it is for writing reviews in um, theatres and cinemas. Except, of course, it's dark, unless they had infrared cameras. You used to have that, um, that one-handed um, review uh, writing. It was called the Agenda Microwriter. Our mm. older listeners may recall, I think Frank Muir and Dennis Norton used to actually advertise on its behalf. And it was wonderful. Yes, I was a film reviewer and I could use these sort of corded strokes to write in the dark. It, it wasn't perfect. You couldn't see what you were actually writing. But at the end, you just plugged it into your computer and it would have all that text, which was very useful because I have a very bad memory. And I found writing on pieces of paper was really, really difficult because you didn't know if you were writing over the stuff you'd already written. Well, um, exactly. I, uh, I always used to take a sheet of A4 when I was reviewing theatre, mm -hmm. which I would fold into four to make it small and manageable. Yes. And that would give me eight sides on which to write. Yes. Until I did a review at the Hampstead Theatre one time where the, 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 the audience was in total blackness. And I came out and found I'd written on the same 
side eight times in different directions. Oh, good grief. Couldn't decipher any of it. <laughs> no, I can't. Now understand. I use a notebook with turning pages, um, which frankly but, is a good solution. Uh, talking about things in the dark, you, you, you very kindly, as you upgraded to a new phone, I bought your old iPhone and you were pointing out to me how good it is at taking pictures in the dark. And I had the chance of experiencing things last night because we had quite windy days this week and the um, tree outside our house actually cracked and blew over last oh. night. Um, rather luckily missing both our car and our neighbour's car. Um, but I wanted to sort of show the council what had happened and so started trying, taking pictures. My son kept saying, put the flash on. I didn't need to put the flash on. No. It was um, remarkably good at taking pictures in what was pretty dark street. There was a street lamp somewhere nearby, but if very impressive. into your cellar, do you have a cellar? I, can't I do. Cellar, and, with, and don't turn the lights on hmm. and then hold your, your phone up Hmm. you'll be able to see in almost perfect clarity. Fantastic. Despite Normally, I find putting the lights on is an easier way of doing things, but yes, okay. <laughs> well, if you wanted a photograph, hey, poltergeists, who are known to be uh, to disappear. Well, oh, that's true. Lights. Yes, yes, they don't like yeah. fluorescent lighting. No. Can I mention a little gizmo of my... Well, not, I was going to say my own. I didn't make it. But um, I don't know if you ever have trouble as you, as you advance into... Uh, later years opening, the word opening, <laughs> opening things um but particularly i find um, tightly fastened jars occasionally slightly defeat me and you try a tea towel first and then i got one of those things that's got a you know a sort of um a sort of wedge on it with teeth that you try and you push on oh, there's and, a much easier open. way of opening jars oh is there what's that you hold the jar in one hand mm. and you strike the lid at an oblique angle with the back of a heavy knife. Yes, I, given my experience with knives, I think that's probably not what I'm going to do. <laughs> what I'm going to suggest... I have seen you decapitate a champagne bottle cork with a sabre. So don't well, that is you're true. afraid of knives. Well, nonsense. when you say sabre, it was actually a heavy kitchen knife because we didn't have to have a sabre to hand. No, we didn't. That is called sabrage, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, I suddenly remember. Anyway... Because it's only £3.85, I'm going to recommend the Dysem Jar Opener, which a friend of mine recommended, who's got slightly arthritic hands and so has a problem. And it's just D-Y-C-E-M. And it's just essentially a piece of sort of rubber, rubbery plastic in the shape of a disc. Looks like a sort of flying saucer. You just put it over the top, touch it. It just is very good at gripping in a way that other things that I've tried are not. And ah. it's absolutely fantastic. It's just, I've used it several times. I have an old, which would not work with your knife thing, but I've got a very old um, tin uh, for tea. But the lid is now, I mean, it's very decrepit and it's probably quite rusty. And the, the lid, it often gets stuck on. You can sort of lever it off with a knife, but it takes ages. This thing does it immediately. And given that the first thing you talked about cost £333,000, and given yes. that this costs £3.85, <laughs> I'd suggest you get more, more bang for your bucks with this, frankly. You and it lasts would. a lot longer than 90 minutes. <laughs> anyway, that's my, that's my top worth for this week. Do um, we have our crowdfunding time of the week? Oh, that would be absolutely splendid. Why not? So, so talking as we were about uh, movies... Yes. A little bit earlier. Um, if you want to have uh, a moving camera, there are only three main ways you can you can do it if you want good quality. You can mm. uh, build a dolly, which has to be yes. on a track, and that's obviously yes. very complicated. Or you can hire someone with a steady cam, mm -hmm. uh, which are these heavy, enormously heavy things they wear around their uh, strapped to their shoulders and they yes. do their back in. Yes. Or you can get a drone, which isn't always the ideal yes. solution. 
Yes. Or you can go onto Kickstarter and take a look at the Snopper Rover. <laughs> right. S N O P A, Snopper Rover. It's a robotic camera dolly. It's a tripod, and the uh, ends of the legs are swiveling wheels. Mm. And each wheel is individually sprung with active suspension. So it senses the terrain it's going over. Mm. And it keeps the the idea is that it keeps the, the, the camera perfectly level even when it's going over rough terrain. That does seem quite you, you drive it from your phone or ideally your, your tablet, so if you've got an iPad, mm-hmm. and then you can see both the, the, the camera view and uh, the controls for moving it left and right and up and down. Um, you could also set up pre-planned shots. So you can tell it to go in a, in a big ellipse um, or you can have it going in a straight line with a camera pointing whatever direction. Mm. Uh, there's up to 18 miles an hour, which is quite fast for a camera. Mm. Um, currently on, on Kickstarter, not cheap, £1,922. But if you're a serious filmmaker, I think it's absolutely worth looking at. And it does look as if it actually works, does it? Because I know in Kickstarter that isn't always the case. It isn't always the case. This is made by some people who have previously made uh, several successful Kickstarter products. Uh, so, yes, it looks like it actually works. Mm. Well, I'm quite impressed. I was However, impressed. I can afford the jar opener. I can't afford that, really. I'm not sure I'd get to use it. But Snopper over. How splendid. Steve, thank you very much indeed. That's it for Gadgets and Gizmos this week. We will, of course, have more at the same time next week. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.